the Modern Black Man Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Black Man Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. Um, I will allow her to introduce herself, uh, but please, everyone, uh, let's meet the wonderful Miss Janine. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for making the time for us. I think we've got a uh, a pretty good topic today, something that I think a lot of us are aspiring uh, and pursuing actively in our lives. Uh, we're going to be talking about partnering. Um, I know that I have <laughs> a lot of, uh, I don't want to say trials, and I definitely don't want to say a lot of tribulations in the pursuit of uh, partnering and partnership. But I definitely have had experience, and I've learned a lot in uh, chasing that dream. Right. It's definitely okay to say trials and tribulations. That's just <laughs> that's what it is. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's, that's totally fine. <laughs> Trial and error, right? Right. That, that's what it is. That's what dating is. So in, in your experience, um, what, what, what has this pursuit uh, uncovered and revealed um, for you, I mean, what has it done to your life? Um, well, I, you know, it it's taught me a lot, but I'll be the first to say that it's actually very, if I'm just being completely honest, it's frustrating. It's frustrating, and um, when you are in your well into your 30s, like I am, um, just dating in general is just very exhausting. Nobody yeah. really wants to date, if we could all just kind of have our partner fall from the sky and land in our lap without having to go through the hassle of dating, I think we would all, you know, take that route. Um, just the whole process of getting to know someone, which can be fun, but what makes it difficult is like when you have multiple people, you have to weed out the bad. You have to, it's almost kind of like a job interview. You know, you have to really find out about the person. You have to, um, you know, see if you're compatible and it sounds simple, but there's just so many different dating has completely changed from, you know, when our parents were growing up and when they were dating to in the age of social media now, where you just pretty much have a limited, unlimited access to pretty much whatever you want. So I think that adds another element to the complexity of dating. Um, you know, we're not really meeting each other in person like we used to. You know, back in the day, we could, you know, meet one another like at a house party or, you know you know, aside from college or school or things like that, you know, we could meet somebody in the grocery store, meet somebody at the gas station, um, you know, meet at a mutual friend's house. And, and those things do happen. But once you get a little bit older, you get settled in your career or you have children, you know, those kind of things just kind of, you know, they diminish a little bit. You know, we don't go to parties as often. We're not really at the bar like we used to. Um, you know, we might go to a party once in a blue moon versus, you know, every weekend or every other weekend like we were when we were in college or when we were teenagers. So the dynamic of how we meet people has definitely changed. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what it does is kind of adds the complexity of dating because it's like now you're almost when you when you have that initial date with somebody, especially if you meet them online or, you know, from social media, it's almost kind of like a blind date, even though you might see them and you might see their pictures, you might even FaceTime. You really don't know how you're going to interact or how you're going to really mesh until you actually see each other in person. And that's right. kind of like that that kind of adds a, a, a level of I don't want to say stress, but it kind of does because when you meet somebody in person, you can kind of get their vibe you know, from, from your conversation, you know, you could tell if you vibe or not when you are kind of meeting somebody for the first time, you don't really know how you're going to vibe. You could, they could 
you know, be the most beautiful person, the most attractive person. And something just might completely turn you off. And that's okay. But it's like, okay, now I got to start this process all over again. And it's possible that you might also have that same notion if you meet somebody in person, you know, it might be like, okay, this person wasn't who I thought they were, you know, And, and that's okay. But the difference is in the social media age where the internet just gives you everything at your fingertips, you have more options. I do honestly believe, though, that especially in the DMV, I feel like there are more options for men. And I'll tell you why. Mm. If you are a woman, an educated black woman, let's say in your 20s or your 30s, chances are, and this doesn't go for everyone, so I don't want to make a general statement and speak for all women. Okay. But I will say, at least in my crowd of friends, the average black woman is ready to settle down and make a commitment. And and that's once she has established a career, once she's made a name for herself. I remember reading the book by Steve Harvey, um, Act Like a Man, Think Like a Woman. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, <laughs> what was it? Act Like a Man. No, Think Like a Lady. Act Like a Woman, Think Like a Man. Yes, Act Like a Woman, Think Like a Man. He said that there are things that men have to possess or things that have to occur in a man's life before he can settle down. And I honestly think some of the same things uh, apply to women. We definitely want to be have our education before we settle down, right? So most of us are not trying to get married before we finished our college degree or, you know, before we've completed our master's or whatever. Relationships and, you know, getting married and that sort of thing are two different things. We also want to make sure that we have our career together. So education, career, um, you know, we might want to be able to do the things that we can't do if as much if we were in a committed relationship like travel, spend our money on things that we want to spend it on, um, you know, kind of have the freedom to come and go. So I feel like once we have, you know, gotten some of those things out the way, then we are ready to settle down. Now, as we know, women mature quicker than men. So, you know, everybody's different, but I'd say most women in their 30s and also biologically, we have a biological clock, right? So there's this Mm -hmm. trigger in our brain that says, okay, I'm ready to start the whole nesting phase. I'm ready to have children. I'm ready to be a nurturer. I'm ready to be a, you know, a carer. So that usually happens. Again, everybody's different, but the average woman who's in her 30s is, you know, ready. The average mature educated woman is ready to, for the next step in her life. Okay. So That means that when she is pursuing a man or vice versa, when she's dating, hopefully she's going to be more selective, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. However, in the DMV, there are hundreds, thousands of beautiful, smart, educated women. So the problem becomes is that there's so many for men to choose from. It's not like back in the day, a a woman who was, you know, had a college degree, had a master's, completely had herself together, might have been kind of a diamond, not even a diamond in the rough, but not as common as it is today. Right. And that's great for us, you know, financially, career-wise. We're coming up, you know, we're establishing names for ourselves. We're entrepreneurs. All that's beautiful. But how many times do we see smart, educated women who are still single? Way too, I, I live in Pretty Girl County. And, right. And it's, it's absurd. It's so many women um, like yourself mm. that are gorgeous, educated, um, sensible, uh, but there's no partner. And right. I think that it leads to, um, I don't want to say an e- uh, evolution, but like a development of this pattern for for single women um, where you guys 
are really thriving independently. Uh, it, the thriving doesn't really occur like it did for our, let's say, parents or grandparents in the partnering effect. Right. Um, you guys are, in a sense, left alone and victimized by your success. Not all women, but it's exactly like you say. Um, <laughs> you go on dates with doctors, lawyers, beautiful police officers, women with these uh, jobs and careers, um, but they they won't, I, I don't want to say settle, but that's what the word I'm going to use. They won't settle for a mere mortal man. Right. They want a brother that's a football player, lawyer, uh, uh, community activist, bodybuilder. You got to be a, a rogue scholar. Like you have to have so much uh, on your and really starting a radar and it's just I think it's all about expectations right and I and I think that goes on both sides I think the expectations for both men and women are a little bit unrealistic uh, and you have I your... got three things I'm simple <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from Missouri right like I, I'm, I'm a, you know I was born in St. Louis and I, I grew up in the northern part of the state so I mean I only want three things I don't know what else you could I don't know what else a man could want Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that it's on the women. I, I'm not blaming. Uh, I'm just saying that I think women are much more thorough in, in their assessment of their needs. Cause I know I can give you less than a handful and I'll be, I, I'll be, I'll be happy for, for, for the rest of, um, time. Is that my fault? Is that where I'm falling short? Is that my, uh, my list is too small. Not at all. Oh, let, let's have, what what are your three things that you <laughs> desire in a woman? I'm real simple. I mean, uh, I want to I want to be classy, so let me articulate. Mm-hmm. I need a woman that uh, loves God, mm-hmm. myself, and herself. If I was really speaking freely, I would just say that I need a, a freaky Christian girl that knows how to maintain herself. If I could, if I could put that uh, out. Uh, Okay, so really? let's talk about maintaining herself because that can encompass a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that can mean, you know, I want you to be a certain size. I want you to dress mm-hmm. a certain way. I want you to, True. you know, keep your hair a certain way. True. So you say three things, but then, I, you know, everybody is objective. So what you sure. might think is maintaining a woman, maintaining herself, you know, she might not agree with that you know there's some men who don't like women who wear weaves and some men who prefer women to be natural so So let's just say for example Mm -hmm. that you prefer a woman who doesn't wear um you know who wears her natural hair Mm -hmm. Uh, a woman that you might be dating might not you know she might not be feeling or going the natural route you know but she still might choose another hairstyle that might not be something that you approve of you know where do we draw the line with maintenance? You know, is it just, you just want to have kind of like a physical attraction to them and just overall, just kind of keep yourself up. You know, do you want them to wear certain types of shoes? You know, there's different types of things that go along with maintenance. You know, do you want them to present themselves a certain way or yeah. I certainly have my preference, but that's why I preface it the way I do. Mm -hmm. I desire a woman who loves herself and if she can love herself, whether it's natural or synthetic, uh, as long as she loves and appreciates who she is and maintains a self-esteem that's healthy, I'm, I'm, I think I'm always going to feel secure in my relationship. Um, oh, that's beautiful. I, you know, I, I love to talk about natural hair because, again, 
uh, <laughs> all my friends here, uh, they tell me I need to go to Florida or Atlanta to find a wife because um, it, it's just, I don't know. The, the natural thing is so big uh, mm-hmm. right now. And the vegan thing is so big right now. Mm-hmm. And those are a lot of the, uh, you know, women that I think I'm just befriending right now are those, you know, natural hair, vegan, all natural, GMO free, 100% organic, no gluten, uh, 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 fair trade, certified, <laughs> you know, that's what I'm meeting right now uh, is a lot of those types. And it's beautiful. I love it because I'm experiencing and learning so many new things. Um, I really, I'm really, really thankful for it. That's great. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, when we're dating, we need to make our expectations of our partner realistic. And as people always say, write down what you want. Okay. Write so down, you write down a list, write down a list of what you want and order them and of importance. What's number one, what's number two, what's number three. And what you want to also write down are what are your deal breakers? What are things that you will absolutely not tolerate? And what are things that are kind of like nice to have, but they're not deal breakers? And if you feel like, and and if you write down all those things and you start getting into like, you know, the twenties, you might want to take a look at yourself internally and say, okay, well, are my expectations really realistic? And also what people have to understand is that no woman or man is going to meet every single thing on your list. There are going to be some things about your partner that you don't like. And I think that as a generation, especially our millennial generation, we have created these unrealistic expectations to where a partner might meet eight out of 10, but then we go and look for somebody who has nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 versus being content with 80% of what we've already found. Thinking that the grass is green on the other side, only to find out, you know, what you had before wasn't really that bad at all. Right. You know, and I think part of that is the false false image that social media has created you know the instagram models with the the big giant shiny booties and you know (laughs) (laughs) and if and if that's your thing you know if that's the type of woman that you prefer physically then that's fine but you also want to take a look of course at a woman's character you know if you find a you know a big booty judy who is a christian woman who's a freak who can cook who can clean who can maintain a household that's wonderful yeah, but you want to make sure, I feel like sometimes men are blindsided by, by looks. And if we're all being honest, you know, of course, physical attraction is going to be the initial thing that, you know, is going to attract us to a person. Um, but also you have to realize if you're looking at it for the long term, and this is where, you know, we kind of get divisive. Mm. Men have to be honest about what they really want. I've come across so many men, especially on dating profiles, who claim that they want a wholesome woman, they want a good girl, you know, they want a Christian woman. But then when I actually get to talking to them, they're asking about, you know, sex. They're asking for breast pictures. They're asking for boob pictures. If you want a wholesome woman, why are you asking me that? And then when you call them out on it, then it becomes a problem. It's like, oh, you're one of those girls. I even had a man who um, was very blunt and honest with me. And honestly, I totally appreciated this. I would rather you give me a hard truth than an easy lie. Why do I feel like he didn't get nothing in the end? I can't wait to hear this story. <laughs> it's, it's actually not like a juicy story, but okay. what, what, I, what I, I had so much respect for this man because he gave it to me straight. He said, I usually move fast sexually. 
And so I asked him, I was like, define what fast sexually means. And he said, usually within two to three days. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's letting me know that if we get together by date three, you're going to expect some sort of physical intimacy. Right. I would prefer you give it to me straight like that and tell me, okay, this is what I expect up front. And he even said, I don't like to waste people's time. And I appreciate that. Right. Don't fake like you like me, like you're trying to pursue a relationship or something serious. And he said, you know, I, I do want somebody long-term, but, you know, I'd rather just basically kind of get the sex thing out the way. I need, I guess I need to know if, you know, we're compatible, compatible sexually or not. That gives me an opportunity to decide if I want to accept that or not versus us going on, uh, you know, date one, date two. And then by the time date three comes, you're trying to get in between the sheets. And I had no clue that you were going to come on to me like this. You so, know, women, women are taking that role though, in my experience. And I, yeah, I, you know, like they, you know, they don't want to waste their time. They want to know if there's any kind of uh, sexual or physical chemistry to even continue on. And it just gives me an insight into, I think, uh, what it's like to be a woman. Right. Um, they the the attachment to the emotion is so great um, that women are now opening their minds to to the perspective of their potential partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it's it's definitely been an experience. Like I'm starting to see that, and I mean it's you know it, it does. That's why the dating thing uh, we've become so highly disposable. Because once you break certain uh, ground, you get to those uh, milestones in the dating trek, you move on. Um, You find out that she's not willing to do X, Y, or Z, or she doesn't have the ability or intensity that you're looking for. And it just, it's it's amicable. Um, I know dating probably, what, 20 years ago, Um, at least in my experience, you it, it, you don't you didn't remember when you stopped dating somebody i mean it, there was no you know <laughs> there, there was no climax it was just kind of you were in another situation and it's coming back to that in a sense i think at this point in the culture and it's it's nice it's welcomed mm-hmm. and what you said about you know as being disposable is so very true and i think it's because there is just more access to people because we have the internet it's yeah. like, okay, well, if I, you know, back in the day, you had to, it was actually effort to meet somebody. It was effort to get their phone number. It was effort to talk to them. It was effort to court them. It yeah. was effort to set up a date. Now you have people juggling five, 10 women, five, 10 men at the same time. Yeah. And it's like, if you don't meet one of my needs, okay, I could just get rid of you because I know I can go hop on the internet, hop on Instagram, hop on a dating app, and I could find somebody that's going to fulfill what I'm, what I'm looking for, you know, or f- fulfill that void. So again, I think it goes back to us just being honest as adults. What is it that we really want? You know, what are the top things that we desire in a partner? And by all means, if that person doesn't meet those things, by all means, definitely move on. Don't waste your time with somebody that you're not compatible with. But at the same time, be realistic in your expectations. Be realistic about what you want and then be realistic about what you're ready for. I was watching the show with one of my girlfriends and it was called, um, I think, Ready for Love. It was on um, Oprah Winfrey's um, channel. And one of the gentlemen that I just caught it at the season finale, but uh, one of the gentlemen that were on the show, he was dating, you know, these these women. He found somebody that he really appeared to like. But then towards the end of the show, he said, you know, I'm not ready for you to meet meet my son. And so, you know, our journey is over. Okay, so basically... 
what he came to realize was that I'm not ready for a relationship, which then had me thinking, why the hell were you on the show to begin with if you weren't ready for a relationship? He so was ready saying, for a relationship with someone that can meet his son. She didn't meet his criteria at the top of the list. Well, he said, you know, I realized that I just wasn't ready for what I thought I was ready for, you know. <clears throat> so if you're not ready for somebody to, and I mean, he, you know, was very interested. She was a beautiful woman, educated, had a great job, great career. Um, you know, he talked about how one, I, I'm thinking, okay, wow, this is going to be the woman that he picks, you know, that we have a love connection. And then he drops this bomb that, you know, I'm not ready for what I thought it was. And he exited the show basically without having any partner. Like he left the show because, you know, he just realized that I, I guess having a committed relationship was not what he wanted. So it starts with knowing who we are as a person. And I feel like a lot of times that's what your twenties is about. Discovering who you are, discovering what makes you happy, you know, discovering what are your likes, what are your dislikes, um, and, you know, and we're always discovering, you know, that, that definitely d- doesn't stop in your 20s, but sure. just really knowing who you are. And I, I do feel by a certain age, you should kind of have a grip on what it is that you want out of life and what it is that you want out of, out of a partner. And I kind of think that's what women, what we kind of find that we're struggling with, with some of our men is that it's like, do you really know what you want? Or are you just, are you just trying to basically have a temporary fix just to get, you know, some sort of temporary high, you know, do you want to just look at pretty girls and not really have this go anywhere? Do you want just a sexual fling, but not really want to commit and settle down? And I kind of feel like when men don't know what they want really internally, then they run from something that can be good because they're not ready for it. So a man who's truly secure and knows what he wants is not going to shy away from something when he actually finds it. What's at the top of your list? I'm sorry? What's at the top of your list? So the top of my list is a God-fearing man. Okay. So that's number one. Um, number two, um, yes, I love children because I have one daughter um, okay. and I would like more. So um, somebody who is just, you know, family oriented and loves kids because, um, you know, obviously if he can accept my daughter, then it's a, you know, it's a done deal. There's no negotiating about that. Um, and then I also want somebody who is um, responsible. And by responsible, I mean responsible financially, responsible for your own actions, just somebody who, and that kind of also falls in line with maturity, just being a mature person, Um, you know, acting your age, acting like a grown man. Um, And then also a personality. That's very important to me. I want to love you for the rest of my life. I want to laugh with you for the rest of my life. I want to, I want to miss your presence when you're not there. You know, I want to be able to come home from work and can't wait to jump in your arms. I want your personality to be, you know, so contagious and so warm and welcoming that, you know, I want to always be around you. Even when I don't want to be around you, like I want to be, I still want to be around you. You know, I want that type of infectious personality that's going to just always make me want to love upon you. That's just so important. And that's going to, I feel like, help partners get through the bad times. You have to have that, exactly, that yeah. love and that personality to where you want to like your partner. You know, so many relationships, it's like, oh, I don't really want to be around you. Or, you know, let me go escape so I don't have to be around my girl. Or, you know, yes, you're going to have those times where they get on your nerves. That's normal. But at the end of the day, you want to have that unconditional love to where it's like his, 
his presence, his personality is just so amazing. I just, you know, I want to be around him all the time, you know, and in a manner, of course, that's healthy. So those are at the top of my list, um, just personally, you know, um, yeah. so and not I have other things. Thing. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we all have our physical traits, um, but honestly, I've dated so many different types of men. I've dated, you know, white, black, I've dated Indian, I've dated Jewish, um, just all types of men. So if I were to have like a physical type and say, you know, this is my dream guy, um, you know, black man, 6L to 6'2", because I'm short, so, you know, 6 feet to 6'2", um, you know, medium to brown brown dark brown skin um you was, and you just was late you. on that dark you was late on that dark no, <laughs> <laughs> but i've dated i mean i've dated really light skin men i've dated really dark skin men um and sometimes honestly you don't know who you're gonna vibe with until you meet them you know how many times do we have a preference and we end up dating somebody and they're like oh Absolutely. i don't expect you to be with that person it happens all the time which is yeah. another reason why we i feel like we should also keep an open mind and not you know have and and honestly that kind of leads me to another point women have to have kind of have the same open mindness both men and women really you know yes have a preference not a problem if you stick to it but just kind of be open, you know, don't completely shut something off. If it's not what you feel, you know, you would, you should be surprised about who you might not feel like you vibe with when you see them initially, but you might get to talking and just like, wow, I really am feeling this person. You know, it, yeah. it always, ha- I know it's happened for me several times, you know, and be like, oh, I didn't expect you to end up with that person. I expect you to like them. I'm going to be so transparent. <laughs> so um, that's how I met my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I've had the same preference since I was probably like 10, 8, 12 years old, since I was in elementary school. Um, but she changed my perception because um, what we're talking about now, the whole partnering thing, when you're open-minded and you're really trying to bring someone into your orbit in that initial stage, you know, you know what that's like everything's positive because all new brooms sweep clean, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's how she got me in her orbit. Little uh, light-skinned, little Creole girl from my hometown, St. Louis, right? She went to high school in my granny's backyard. was just the best thing that I could have ever thought of in the beginning. Uh, but then we kind of went through um, trials um, and, and, and life, and I just realized that the whole partnering thing is the essence of relationship. Um, it is it is so important to have someone who's truly committed to you in your good and bad seasons because everybody's attractive in their good season. You know, everybody looks good when the, when you're going on vacations and financially things are rich. Um, but then when you start going through any kind of drama, problems, uh, situations, dislikes, or uncomfortability, I think that's where uh, relationships are really forged. I think that's where commitment comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, that that rings so true to me on what you say about uh, being open-minded. I know that um, since being out here in the DMV, um, my whole, my openness is just at a whole new level. I know I've never dated a white girl uh, but I've I've considered it, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I've only I've only even been attracted to two uh, white girls in my entire life. 
Uh, I know there was one girl in high school, one girl in college, and that was really it. And now I find myself in a situation where I just, uh, it's, it's a, a, a height of regret of not being open-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if that's um, a critical part of this whole partnering thing. Uh, it's just keeping the mind open, but I am so much uh, more sensitive to it at this point in my life and my journey. Um, because I know how rewarding that can be. Why do you think that is? Um, the whole open mind thing, just being open. Well, I think, well, for, for, for starters, I think a lot of us um, tend to be closed minded because we want to be with something that's comfortable, something that's familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So stepping outside of our comfort zone obviously kind of makes us uncomfortable. You know, it's something new. It's something different. So, you know, it's kind of like it's foreign to us. Um, But when you are open-minded, it's just like in the workplace where they encourage diversity. If you have a group of just white men, middle-aged white men, how are you going to get different perspectives? You know, how are you going to get um, different ideas when everybody is the same? You know, it's just kind of like when you're dating. You'll never know how somebody from a different background or a different walk of life can just teach you so much you know and I'll give you um, an example my um, my ex my, my daughter's father grew up in the country That's very right. small town in Virginia okay mm-hmm. I've uh, born and raised in um, the DMV my entire life so when we met he was very very sheltered he wasn't exposed to a lot of things um, you know sometimes the country can be it's just a very kind of laid-back lifestyle and oh, yes, better. you know uh, not a whole <laughs> lot goes on <laughs> for lack of a better word so yeah. When he met me, I introduced him, kind of unbeknownst to me, to a whole bunch of different things. I mean, he tried avocado for the first time, you mm-hmm. know, because I fed it to him one time. Um, he didn't fly airplane until, you know, we started dating. He, uh, we went to a Broadway, you know, uh, Broadway play. That was his first time going to a Broadway play. Um, you know, new dishes that I cooked for him, just kind of you know, exposing himself or, or, you know, us just trying to, and it was really just us dating us just, you know, I just basically introduced him to my world, you know, right. that's, that's really all it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, uh, you know, good. And, and then through that, he found out, oh, wow, I actually like this. You know, this black man actually loves Broadway plays, you know, I, you know, avocado is good, you know, so you just, you never know. And it doesn't have to necessarily be of a different race. It could be, you know, somebody of a different um, environment or, you know, you know, you grew up rich, this person grew up poor, or, right. you know, this person came from a big family, you know, and you came from a small family, just somebody that can, you know, introduce you to a different side. It kind of opens our eyes when we have something from a different perspective versus if we just are familiar and we just you know date somebody who you know we've already seen this before and and by by all means if if that's what you find that's okay you know we want to have things in common so it's kind of like a fine line you you want to be open-minded but at the same time you want to have things in common too so but the idea is that if you do kind of keep an open mind you might find that you do have things in common or if you you go on this journey together you discover things that you both like, you kind of find that you have that commonality that you might not think that you had before. So that's why I think just kind of keeping an open mind and not closing yourself off to a specific thing is so important. Just like I tell women all the time, it's okay 
to date a man who doesn't have a college degree. It's mm. not the end all be all. Date a plumber. Plumbers make a good money. And they don't have the debt. And there's no student loans. And as a woman who has thousands of dollars in student loans, yes, yes. Hell, I'm leaning towards maybe not getting somebody else a college degree unless we got to be in debt. Right. You know, and yes, it's it's attractive on paper. It's great to see your degree displayed on the wall. You know, it's like, great, we accomplished this together. And, you know, I feel like sometimes we, we are kind of validated by that because we were oppressed for so long. As far as education, we weren't given those education opportunities that we have now. Right. Our college degree just means that you went to school, you studied hard, you worked hard, you passed some exams, and you graduated. So right. if your man has is making an honest living being an electrician, a plumber, a carpenter, a contractor, as long as it's legal and he is financially stable, women need to keep an open mind to that. And I think when we kind of, you know, we get established in our careers and in our, you know, um, our, our homes and our, you know, we become financially stable. Uh-oh. Sometimes I feel like we kind of kind of have blinders on is, okay, I only want an educated man who works on Wall Street or, you know, who's a banker, who has this, who has that. A blue-collar worker is fine, you know? I'm going to have to let some of my, uh, the kids that I mentor listen to this because uh, I push them to take a uh, vocational route because it's so much money out there and there's no debt. And to hear a beautiful woman say this could breathe life into these young men. So I, 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 I appreciate your mind being where it is and being so strong. Absolutely. College is not for everybody, and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. You know, there's no golden rule that says you have to go to college. However, what you do need to have is a trade or a skill. Don't be out here just, you know, blindly and just trying to find your way in the world without a skill or a trade. You have to have something that you're good at. And you have to, you know, that's, again, part of discovering yourself. Find out what, what do you like to do? If you like to work with cars, you know, go to trade school to be a mechanic. You will have a job for life. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's car is going to break down at some point. Everybody needs a car service. That's a skill that you could have for life. You could build your business, build a brand, open a mechanic shop. You know, if you like to cook, go to culinary school, you know, be a private caterer or chef. You know, women who are artistic or, you know, like I'm a, a beauty junkie. So I tell girls, if you know how to braid hair, if you know how to do makeup, if you know how to do nails, you have a, you will always have at the very least a side hustle for life because that's something nobody can take away from you. And it comes with no, you know, aside from, you know, maybe if you have to go to cosmetology school. The point is, you know, there are things besides college that you can invest in to right. where you'll still be successful, to where you don't have to resort to stripping, to drugs, to running the streets, to, you know, trying to use people, get over on people. Find a skill, find what you're passionate about and hone that skill in. And it doesn't have to be college. There's so many, like you said, it's so much money in the world. Nobody's stopping you from, you know, creating your brand and getting your hustle on. You know, the the world is your oyster. The sky is not even the limit. Do what you feel that you're passionate about to where you, the goal is for you to take care of yourself as a human being and to be a productive member of society. Okay. That does not have to include college. There's so many things in the world that you can contribute that you could be, you know, you could be a blessing to somebody if you just kind of hone those skills in. Always have a skill or a trade or two, right? You know that that nobody can take away from you. Once you have that, you know it's it's, and once you actually find again, this is about self discovery, finding who you are, what you like, what you love to do. 
you know, so I always, again, I tell women, it's fine if you want a man who has a college degree, but be open to the plumber, be open to the electrician, be open to the private caterer. Women don't realize how much richer a lot of these guys are. Yeah. Um, They don't have the same uh, hundreds of dollars that they're spending every month to pay back the education that they financed 10, 15, eight years ago. Uh, and they're making more money than a lot of educated men. Um, it, it's it, it's just a, I think it's just that preference thing. We feel that there, I think that there's a little bit uh, of attitude where we give more prestige to the college graduates, and it's just it's just really not that. Um, a college degree does not make you a better hustler. It doesn't give you um, uh, a better career based on that paper it just provides you opportunities based on the paper that you have absolutely and you know aside from that um what you want to just make sure again is that you and your partner are getting money together there is and again it's nothing wrong with wanting somebody who you know is educated yes in the corporate sector having a college degree does mean something but that's the corporate sector. That's one division. You know, there's so many other divisions in the world. There's so many different occupations to where you can be fruitful. You know, um, I think sometimes why women um, kind of um, limit themselves or, you know, it's like, I want a man who makes, you know, um, uh, you know, X amount. And, and, you know, speaking of that, speaking of money, you know, I want to be clear that there's nothing wrong with a man or woman wanting to you know, wanting your partner to kind of have the same things that you have. However, um, and it kind of goes back to being equally yoked, finding somebody that's equally yoked. But if you are a plumber making $100,000 and you're a government worker making $100,000, that's $200,000 between the two of you. That's a nice, healthy, comfortable, depending on where you live, that's a healthy lifestyle. That's That's a healthy, comfortable... In this area. (laughs) You know, so that's, yeah. that's treading water in D.C. It is. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's middle class at best in D.C. Right. right. <laughs> that's nowhere near. Now, if you in uh, Oklahoma or Nebraska, you, know, you might be doing better. <laughs> Kansas City, you live in a very nice uh, lifestyle. You probably live in a, a huge home somewhere in the wall, though. Um, and life is good. But yeah. in D.C., it's just, it's just treading water. Right. Absolutely. But then you also think about what kind of opportunities are in Nebraska and Oklahoma. Exactly. You know? That's <laughs> I so it's all, it. it's all relative. Right. <laughs> it's all relative. But um, and, and I think honestly, why, especially black women, why we kind of have these restrictions on ourselves is because we don't want to struggle. That's right. what it boils down to. Okay. And uh, we don't want to be, you know, and, and the reason is because we already have the world on our shoulders. We're fighting in the corporate world. You know, we're fighting um, romantically, you know, to try to have a good relationship or to be a good wife. There's so much pressure on the black woman to be the best mom, be the best at your job. You know, we got to work twice as hard as the white women to get, you know, just even a fraction of the success or opportunities that they have. Um, you know, we, we're there, this, this, this pressure for us to have it to appear like we have it all together to be fly to be mentally stable to have our figure together to have our finances together to drive a nice car there's so much pressure on us to be quote unquote perfect for lack of a better word and we put that we put some of that stress on ourselves sometimes it's our fault but then also we want our men to not always expect that perfection from us 
And when we do fall short, be that backbone. Where we're weak, we want you to be strong and we want support at the end of the day. So women look for security because we don't want to struggle. But you can have security and still have an open mind. You know, your man doesn't have to, you know, make $300,000, $400,000 a year for you not to be struggling. He doesn't have to drive a BMW or a Lexus for you not to be struggling. You know, it's okay. I drive a Chevy Cruze. I drive a Honda. You know, <laughs> I, I drove Hondas for years. Yes. When I bought my car, trust me, I was looking at Lexuses and BMWs and I was like, wow. You know, I was like, I work hard. I have the money. You know, I've saved. I could get a BMW Lexus if I really wanted to, but do I want the maintenance that comes with it? Do I want to pay that premium gas price? Oh, I, I have Hell no. downgrading from the Porsches and the Acuras and the Beamers uh, to the Nissans and right. Hondas. And I'm glad that that didn't take me uh, an entire career to kind of see that. Because, I mean, I have friends in their 40s. They're just now starting to downsize. Mm-hmm. It's now starting to get on the whole minimalist thing and, 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 and really constrain and control their budget because I don't think it hit them that retirement's coming for us in our generation. We're going to have an entirely different experience than everyone before us. Oh, absolutely. So if we even yeah. have social security, you know, social right. security might be gone by the time we're even eligible for it. Yeah, you know? it will be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if our country still exists, it likely will be gone. Right. We're, we're paying all these taxes now and we might not reap the benefits from that at all, you know, once we get to, to be in our 50s and 60s. And so, you know, I think we have to be smarter with our, our money. So, you know, I think, you know, when we're out of this world and we're dating, we really need to, you have to look at the whole picture, you mm-hmm. know, take a look at the man who's driving a Honda Toyota and, you know, oh, yes, no, nobody wants a man who's driving a hoopty or a beat up car. You know, I'm not saying, you know, go for the man who, you know, has the, the giant hoopty that you can't even parallel park with, you know, and you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but in the bigger scheme of things, you want to make sure that you are building wealth for the future, you know, and by all means, if you are in a position to where you can afford that BMW, you can afford that Lexus and you still got, you know, that, that good chunk of change in your 401k, that's great. I think a lot of times though, we, kind of psychologically try to keep up with the Joneses. And again, it kind of goes back to social media. We'd like affirmation. We'd like attention. We like people, um, you know, giving us likes, you know. However, those likes are not going to help put money in your bank unless you're using social media to generate some income, you know. Oh, I am. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you were making a great point. You were making a really good point, and I kind of deviated a little bit. Uh, it was kind of answering that question that I think we were talking about is uh, what do black women want black men to understand uh, uh, about their experience? And I think you uh, alluded to some really good points. You said that you have to be superwoman in your life in all the areas uh, that you're in, whether it's uh, work, being mommy. Uh, being the the girlfriend, the, you know, the home girl, the friend, um, there's so much pressure that's put on you. And it sounds like what you're saying uh, for us as men to be strong in our partnership is to be that backbone, be that strength, be that support, be that yin to your yang. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In short, be a partner. 
what we want is a partner. We want to feel supported. We have enough stress in the world where we feel like the world is against us. You know, we have health statistics against us. You know, we're dying. Childbirth, we are at higher rate for obesity, diabetes, heart failure. Hypertension. Hypertension. And you know what that all falls on is, you know, aside from, you know, communities or poverty level, whatever, stress. It all is attributed to stress. We have to, as women, try not to let the stress affect us. But I will tell you from experience, when you have a partner that does not support you, stress is almost inevitable because it's like you have literally the world on your shoulders. Yeah. Literally the world on your shoulders. It's okay for a man. You're not emasculated if you help your woman with household chores. You're not emasculated if you say, you know what, baby, let me cook dinner tonight. You know, let me help with the laundry. You know, and women, we're not less of women if we, you know, allow our man to do that. Just like we're not, he's not less of a man if we go take out the trash, you know, Mm. and it kind of falls on, you know, people have these quote unquote standard roles, but then people say, oh, well, women want to be created equal. So, you know, you know, do you want to be treated like a man or be be as equal as a man Then go do this? No, it's not even about that. Forget what society says. You do what's right in your household and what makes you comfortable. I love that you called it a standard role, not a gender role a standard role yes it's uh it's that open-mindedness that we talked about we close uh and don't even allow our mind to grow um because we have these assumptive roles i know that um oh my i've i've been in relationships before where i've you know i i I cook very well um and i like um i like that culinary experience Mm -hmm. so that's that's part of my acts of service at the same time i know that i've been um out of my element as far as employment Mm -hmm. um i know i've made transitions over the past few years i know that's really why um at this point in my life um my businesses are very important to me uh not just obviously for the uh income and the revenue um but it's it's becoming more at the forefront of my passion. Um, working for someone else has been an experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I have a very unique um, career uh, development chart. Uh, my background is actually in business. And I started um, my first business um, over a decade ago. Uh, but I've always been committed to other endeavors, uh, and I work in education, and that's really my path. I know that I was in grad school about a year or two ago to really solidify that, but paying for it was just overwhelming. Um, so I've kind of reformed my strategy to complement both ends, and I'm happier than I've been in a long time because of that. It took a lot of courage. To, to make that decision. Um, and I know that my, my marriage was a huge part of that motivation. I know my wife, she was an, you know, she was an accountant. Mm-hmm. And when we first got married, we both worked in the financial industry in St. Louis. And, you know, the money was probably comfortable for us. I know we were going to Jamaica and Vegas a couple times a year and just 
kind of, you know, very comfortable, no kids. Uh, but then we moved to Kansas City and I got engaged in being a student, uh, working more in education and um, my career path kind of went back to what I was most passionate about, like I said, and it took a lot of courage for me to make the decision and the moves that I've made, but I find myself a year later in a, a great spot. So I think that all of that is very valid. I think that partnering and really being committed to who you're on this ride with can change lives. You'll never fail um, partnering. Uh, I know uh, I kind of researched the quote before the show mm-hmm. from Sarah McLean. Uh, she's a, a, a young adult uh, author, but the quote is that the best partnerships aren't dependent on a mere common goal, but on the shared path of equality, desire, and no small amount of passion. And exactly. I, really, I really think that that's it. I think that's where we're going to be successful in partnering is just uh, being aware of all of those things never deviating from our, our, our focus on our partners and always having passion in, in everything that we do. You'll never, I don't think you can fail in, in, in a partner situation uh, with those things at the front. Right. Totally agree with you. And you also want to just make sure that throughout your, your partnership that you maintain a level of respect for each other, you know, um, that you are supportive, but that also that you can disagree healthily, you know, if you can. Um, you know, people always say there's a right and wrong way to argue. And I, I totally agree with that, um, you know. And, uh, you know, everybody loses their temper now and then. You know, people right. say things that they don't want to say or that they didn't mean to say. Um, but I think we need to just kind of as a community and just as people talk about how can we have healthy debates within our partnerships, but then also do it to where it's not to the detriment of our relationship, you know, because we all know once you say something, you can't take it back. So, where can we learn those skills? Hmm? Where can we learn those skills? That's a good question. Um, I think, you know, and it's interesting because one of my um, former coworkers at a, a job that I used to work at. So we were talking about. Um, you know, marriage counseling and, you know, just kind of therapy. And, and I'm not sure we got on the topic, but he said something that was so profound to me. He said, my wife and I, we go to counseling even when things are right. He said, I don't want it. I don't want it to get to the point where, you know, we're so far gone that we're irreparable. So even when things are good, we go to counseling because I want to keep it that way. And I just thought that was so interesting to say that basically we're continuing on this healthy spiritual path together, you know, going to family counseling so that we know how to deal with problems before they even arise. So we know how to maintain our relationship. So we know how to keep it healthy. That was just so profound to me because honestly, I don't know anybody who goes to marriage counseling unless they have a problem, you know? So I think maybe we can start there just by having some sort of, you know, whether it's a, a, a support group, you know, Meetup has many platforms for married couples or people who are couples who are dating, just kind of, you know, having support within our own communities, you know, whether it's through a church or pastor or, you know, through a marital series or, you know, through, um, you know, a friend, you know, who might be good at coaching, just, you know, I think we still need to kind of figure out where we can get those resources because, 
we might find that they're really not available the way that they should. And maybe that's why our relationships are failing because we don't have the resources or we don't know where to find the resources to, you know, have those tools to build and maintain a healthy relationship with each other. You know, I think on both ends, there's so much frustration between both men and women. You know, men feel frustrated sometimes in the workplace. They feel um, you know, maybe that they're not living up to their full potential. And then women, we get frustrated mm-hmm. trying to be superwoman. We feel mm-hmm. frustrated when we don't feel appreciated. You know, I think that's where a lot of our anger comes from. We feel like we're just not good enough. It's like we're going I do through the same thing. <laughs> yeah, we are. That that's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like we both feel it's like we can't get it together in the black community. We're both feeling these frustrations. Right. And instead of us coming together trying to figure out how can we fix this we pit against each other black women are this black men are that right we need to figure out how to address how to come together we're so divided as a race and it's really sad how can we understand each other and then fix the problems internally we can never grow and heal unless we fix those problems internally and to do that we first have to understand each other you know and i think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from black men will say I don't, you know, black women don't get me. And they'll go to another race thinking that that's going to be the answer to their problems because, you know, it's okay. Well, she's not, you know, she doesn't have these issues. Of course not. <laughs> White women are not going to have the same issues that a black woman has. So, of course, they're going to be, they're going to treat you a little bit differently or they might act mm. differently. If they haven't gone through oppression, if they haven't gone through discrimination, racism, uh, yeah, you're going to act differently. You're going to have kind of a different, you're going to have different life experiences. Absolutely. You know, I, I've gone to school with, uh, I, I've gone, I've gone to the um, PWI. Um, mm-hmm. And in my experience, you know, you hear all these things and I know as men, we talk and uh, I've always heard that, you know, white women do this and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I've, I've never had that experience with a black woman. Like I've never felt like um, black women weren't submissive enough or weren't freaky enough. Um, and it's just, I don't, I don't know. You I don't know, know how that got to be started as a thing. Um, I don't know either. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but no, no, um, you're fine. You're fine. Um, here's, here's another point though. So, what then we have to look at is why are you attracting those types of people? What is it mm. internally about yourself to where you feel that you could generalize a whole entire race of women like we're all the same? That's what you're attracting. That's not the majority of Black women. In order for you to make that statement, you would have to have dated the majority of Black women to make those falsehoods about us. We're ghetto, we're loud, we're you know on welfare. That's that's the bullshit that excuse my language. That's no, the that's BS that society. That society. <laughs> you see, I'm, a little, I'm getting a little bit passionate about this. That's, Please do. That's that's the BS of society wants you to think. Right. They want you to have those negative stereotypes. You know why? Because they want us to be divided. And it's sad because it's like we play right into that. You imagine how strong we would be as a culture if we came together <laughs> like Latinos come together. Right. If like Jewish people come together and look out, like the LBGT community comes together. Right. We're so divisive because 
we pet against each other because we don't feel like there could be more than one person at the top. Or we have this division that, you know, we're color struck. We, you know, it's like there's racism within our own community. And what I find interesting is that men who are of other colors who date Mm -hmm. black women, Mm -hmm. they don't have these complaints. How many times do you hear white men say, yeah, black women are ghetto and trashy and, you know, they don't, you know, they just use you. I, white men who love black women, and I know several. Yes, I've dated I some of them. Yes. I have dated some of them. Yeah, they don't have these complaints about black women. They're like, "Wow, y'all are strong." You know, I was watching this YouTube video. He was like, "You guys, are, the way that you point when you want something in the store, you know, you have this elegance about you. You know, those are the things that they see." So I think what black men need to focus on is if I'm attracting those types of negative people, why? What is it about my energy or about myself? that's causing me to come in contact with these people. It's not black women in general. There's nothing wrong with us as a race, as a race of women. Who are you attracting that small percentage of women that you're attracting, why? What can you do? What can you change about yourself? How can you change your circle, your environment to where you attract the type of women that unless you just, and if you don't wanna, if you're just not attracted to black women, that's fine too. Everybody has a preference. Sure. That's fine. You could be a black man who likes white women, but there's no need for you to insult your race because then that makes you look I mean, it just, it's not a good look. I don't hear white men who date black women say, you know what, I, you know, I can't stand white women. They're not this, they're not that. They're just like, I like black women. It is what it is. I like white black women because it's no, well, I can't stand white women because white women are this. You know, again, that's the division in our culture. It's like, I like black women because of these reasons, but you don't hear them talk trash because it's like, at the end of the day, a white woman is my mother, a white woman is my sister. So I'm not going to degrade white women. It's just that that's what I I have a preference for black women. I wish black men who do that, just the ones who do that would kind of have the same mentality. Your mother's black, your sister's black, your cousins, you you know, people that you go to school with, your friends, they're black. So how does it look for you to degrade your own race, especially publicly? You could have your preference without putting down your race. Right. You know? Even if you want to shout to the rooftops, I love white women, you don't have to say anything negative about a black woman. Don't justify your reason for loving white women. Just love them. At the end of the day, we can't help who we fall in love with. You don't have to justify or explain to anybody why you fell in love with who you fell in love with. However, at the same token, you don't have to degrade your own race either. It's not necessary. I agree with that more. Um, I absolutely have so many um, ideas and I think spider topics that you have um, motivated me to record. Um, I would like to get back together and have another discussion with you. Is that something you think we can get done? Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Are you on uh, social media or anything like that where anybody can catch up with you? Yes, I am on um, Instagram at caramelcutie underscore two one and on Twitter at Miss Nene Baby. So that's M-I-S-S-N-E-E-N-I-E-B-A-B-Y. And on Facebook, uh, it's facebook.com slash Janine 21, J-A-N-E-N-2-1. I'm definitely going to have to add you and uh, anybody that listens to the show knows that they can find me on Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm Chubby Idris Elba. Uh, (laughs) Definitely uh, stay tuned to the show. 
Uh, I, I want to encourage anybody listening to rate and review the show, uh, help us out so we can get better, uh, bigger, uh, and cover a broader scope. Um, until uh, our next episode, uh, I just want everyone to be encouraged to have an open mind and to really thrive in your day. Um, I thank you so much for listening and we will catch up with you next time. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Okay. Bye. Bye. Leave a review on Apple iTunes. Rate the show.